You're listening to The Gay Pro, where we empower gay business professionals from any industry to love who they are and love what they do. I'm your host, Omar Alexis Ochoa. Let's get into it. So once he said that and I, ooh, girl, was that a grinder notification? You know it was, because today I want to talk about Grindr. Not only is this iconic app quickly becoming a national security concern, but there are talks of emerging competitors and where exactly an application like Grindr will fit in the future of dating apps. Let's jump in. As you may have seen in recent headlines, the United States has been working actively to retake the controlling investments of the infamous dating app Grindr from its new Chinese parent company, Beijing Kunlun Tech. It's a company that, today, makes the majority of its revenue from overseas with its portfolio of gaming applications, but in 2016 obtained a 60% controlling stake in Grindr in a transaction worth over $93 million. Eventually, the company did obtain the remaining stake for over $150 million and now owns the app in its entirety. This occurred in a total of two transactions, neither of which were reported to the Commission of Foreign Investment in the United States. This is actually where the situation gets a bit sticky. Although the U.S. took no action back in 2016 or 2018 when each respective transaction occurred, the fact that neither was reported to the commission allowed the U.S. to go back and review them. But why does the raunchiest social media platform for gay men matter to the U.S. government? Well, the rationale seems to be that the U.S. is concerned over how Kunlun, a Chinese-based company, could compromise the information of U.S. military personnel and contractors with private information on their sexual orientations, HIV statuses, private photos, locations, and more. This is information that, many believe, could compromise U.S. officials and lend them to blackmail. That makes a bit of sense, as we all know how Grindr is used, and who hasn't sent around a pick or two or seven. But jokes aside, the concern isn't blackmail alone. With Grindr being a location-based application, questionable foreign powers having control over sensitive GPS data about millions of people around the world, including millions of Americans, does become a security risk. Consider an article by Alex Hearn from The Guardian that details how Strava, a location-based social media platform for tracking your run, posed an operational security risk to U.S. military personnel in the Middle East. According to The Guardian, Strava put out a global heat map in November 2017 that recorded every Strava run on the platform, highlighting regions all over the world, based solely on location data. It wasn't long after that security analysts found an impeccable amount of detail on this map, effectively revealing the locations of several remote U.S. military bases. The article goes on to specify that in Afghanistan, this heat map actually revealed some forward operating bases as bright white spots where Strava users in the area, which were almost exclusively foreign military, completed runs. Therefore, it isn't just speculation to say that Grindr does in fact pose a risk for exposing user data, be it from members of the U.S. military or everyday civilians. In fact, Grindr already has a history of giving out your private information such as HIV status and tested date. 
first reported by BuzzFeed in April 2018 and later corroborated by sources like NPR, Grindr has acknowledged that sensitive information such as users' HIV status was indeed provided to third parties. These were two companies, Optimize and Localytics, who were initially hired to optimize the platform by monitoring how it was being used. According to BuzzFeed, Grindr sent, quote, HIV status and last tested date together with users' GPS data, phone ID, and email. It should be obvious how this could pose a threat to user safety, but BuzzFeed was able to get the opinion of the Electronic Frontier Foundation's senior technologist and security researcher, Cooper Quinton, who stated, quote, it allows anybody who is running the network on Grindr or who can monitor the network, such as a hacker or a criminal with a little bit of tech knowledge, or your ISP or your government, to see what your location is. When you combine this with an app like Grindr that is primarily aimed at people who may be at risk, especially depending on the country they live in or how homophobic the local populace is, this is an especially bad practice that can put user safety at risk. Now, in light of all of this, Grindr's head of security, Bryce Case, has since confirmed in an exclusive interview with Oxios.com, which is a digital newspaper covering business and international politics, that it will no longer share sensitive HIV information or testing data with any third-party companies. This may well be too little too late, though, as Grindr has already shared information, which now lives in not one, but at least three places. Grindr, Optimize, and Localytics. When you compound this with the fact that Grindr has also been owned and operated by Beijing Kunlun Tech for just over a year now, there really is no telling whether the private information of LGBTQI plus Americans on Grindr has already changed hands to nefarious groups or even the Chinese government. Suffice it to say, Grindr most certainly has its fair share of problems. However, it's not the only dating app out there for LGBT people. Millions of users, including myself, have flocked to alternative dating applications like Scruff, Hornet, Hinge, and Bumble, all of which provide their own take on relationships for LGBTQI users. The latest contender, however, is now Facebook Dating. Facebook Dating is rather new and operates as yet another aspect of the Facebook app, wherein users can create a separate dating profile and potentially match with new people and even friends of friends. The app in its current state, however, doesn't allow users to connect with current friends, although there is some discussion that Facebook will soon be unveiling a secret crush feature that will allow you to select up to nine of your friends to be your secret crush. If two of you are crushing on each other, then that's a match. Facebook dating will also implement a matching system that leverages information on your interest, location, and even attended events. According to Vox.com, the concept is meant to reflect the probability of two people being likely to meet in real life anyway by leveraging this location and events data. Now, back in my heyday of dating, I remember an application called Happen. I found it to be rather unique as the app leveraged your location data in order to match you to others that you have at some point crossed paths with, undoubtedly using pings from your smartphone in order to make the match. The concept was compelling, as it cast an air of mystique that suggested love really was just around the corner. I'm glad to see this concept making its way back into the mainstream, as I think it'll be a key to Facebook dating success. However, some critics have remained skeptical that Facebook dating will be very successful at pairing LGBT users at all. Grindr's chief financial officer, Wei Zhao, weighed in, 
telling Pink News, quote, We are unsure if the platform truly understands the needs of the LGBTQ community, particularly in areas of the world where LGBTQ people face tremendous amounts of violence. After all, Grindr has dominated the gay dating sphere for over a decade now, and still commands a user base in the millions. According to Pink News, however, Grindr has offered to serve as a resource for Facebook dating as it begins to focus on LGBTQIA romance. But is this really what the community needs? I would say that Grindr is far from the model candidate to base any app off of, not only from the perspective of design, but also from the perspective of ethics. Grindr has been on the decline for many years, following scandal after scandal after scandal, and no one has put it better than John Shadell in the Washington Post. In perhaps the most standout example of Grindr's decay, Shadell writes, quote, Prejudicial language has flourished on Grindr since its earliest days, with explicit and derogatory declarations such as no Asians, no blacks, no fatties, no femmes, no trannies, and mask for mask, commonly appearing in user profiles. Of course, Grindr did not invent such discriminatory expressions, but the app did enable them by allowing users to write virtually whatever they wanted in their profiles. For nearly a decade, Grindr resisted doing anything about it. Now, anyone that has used Grindr for even an hour can quickly see the cesspool it has become with blatant racism, transphobia, and yes, even homophobia plastered across. Grindr is also riddled with users and bots advocating heavily for risky sex practices such as bareback sex and hard drug use such as crystal meth. It is therefore rather alarming to see the New York Times quote Grindr's founder, Joel Simkai, in 2014 stating that he never intended to shift a culture in regards to user behavior on the app. This is while other top apps have outlined zero tolerance for it and flourished. So if I were in Facebook's shoes and looking to truly understand the LGBTQIA community, I would say Grindr is the last place to look. It's fallen out of touch and is very much tone deaf in regards to fixing these problems. Consider the launch of Kinder, a short-lived PR campaign thrown together by Grindr that attempted to educate users on cultural sensitivity in regards to race. Not only was this program quickly over and done with, but it was ultimately at odds with the core function of the app itself, to filter your preferences based on height, weight, and today still, race. As if that weren't enough, Grindr's own president, Scott Chen, is not only a straight man, but he has been quoted by The Guardian stating he believes that marriage is, quote, the holy matrimony between a man and a woman. Therefore, Grindr at the executive level is an organization that is fundamentally at odds with the community it serves and makes for a pretty shitty role model. From its pervading issues with protecting user information and protecting users themselves as the platform perpetuates hate, oppression, and self-destruction, Grindr is a monolith in gay culture that must utilize its influence to benefit the LGBTQIA community and not further divide it. This is something that, unfortunately, must come from the top down, not only with a change in executive leadership to more accurately reflect the community it serves, but a change in business culture that will aim to bring our community together and not aim to destroy it. Grindr's executive-level suite seems to be pervaded by hate and cisgendered heteronormativity, judging solely by the types of people it's led by. As a result, I find it hard to argue that Grindr as a company isn't endorsing self-destructive behaviors like risky sex and hard drug use, perhaps harming our community by proxy. 
It's for this reason I urge LGBTQI professionals and our allies in the sphere of online dating to continue being exemplars of change and to fight corporate red tape that claims LGBTQI empowerment is not possible. That's about it for now, but I would love to continue this conversation online. Please make sure to check out The Gay Pro on Facebook and Instagram or tweet me at The Gay Pro FM. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.